a Podcast One production. You want me to do a quote on each room? And he's like, yeah, that's what I need. I need you to do a quote on each room. And then tell me, like, why you think that we should, like, basically kind of hire you in the same, like, email. And I remember just, like, literally getting in the car and being like, see you, dickhead. I'm never responding to any email ever again from you. Like, fuck off. Hey, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for female founders and founders to be. We're chasing down the most successful female entrepreneurs from around the globe, not only to hear their life story, but to extract their knowledge and world-class insights. If you're curious and ambitious, then Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for some hard-hitting truths, a dose of inspo and learnings you can apply right away. Strap in. Are you trying to inject more creativity into your business, your brand, and your offer? Look no further. We're talking to Jenna Holmes. She is the founder and creative director of Plant Mama, a Melbourne-based studio that specializes in indoor plant styling, or as she likes to say it, build living works of art. She's considered one of the most in-demand interior plant designers in Australia with a client list that includes Google, Rag and Bone and even Zoe Foster Blake. She's also the founder of Pasta Mama and the Pasta Club, a brand that brings her passion for the European dining experience to eyes and stomachs all across Australia. Jenna is a ball of energy and she doesn't hold anything back. She was open and transparent about the loneliness that she's experienced as a solo founder, how the concept of authentic power transformed her business and helped her make money, as well as what she's learned about pricing her work over the years. Jenna wasn't always a plant mama. She actually started out as a PE teacher and this is where the story begins. I had a photography business years and years before um, and so I always had a creative thing on the side of whatever my work job was like there was always the presence of something extra so that was really prevalent in my life so I had had the photography business so I'd always done something creative and I was teaching and I think when you start teaching in your first few years of teaching as everyone would know as an early career you're like literally there all the time it's really hard there's a lot of marking it's quite stressful it's quite It's time consuming. So for the first part of my teaching career, I didn't really do anything creative. I just kind of taught. And then I think like as I got into like my fifth or sixth year, as I started to become like more disinterested in teaching, the creative side like kind of became more appealing because I obviously realized that's such an important part of who I am. So I actually um, opened up a business with a friend, um, a plant business, a plant styling business, while I was teaching on the side. And so we had just done this little thing and we lived together and we're friends and we, um, is that you guys? We live together. It's us. We live and together. And we're, we're we friends. We went to school together. And we started as a friend. side hustle too. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> you are like the one in 800 people who figured that thing out. <laughs> oh, mate, it's, it's, it's hard. A, it's a whip. <laughs> yeah, it's a work a whip. in progress. <laughs> as, I got, as I'm older now, I realise like my contribution, but like obviously we didn't, it didn't work. Um, and that was really hard because um, when you create something together and it doesn't work, it affects the friendship. So, um, and that I think is a lot of people don't know that story. And it's, there's mm. actually a lot of people that I know in business who have the same story. They were like, oh mm. yeah, I opened it with someone and we didn't work out. And it's quite common. And I think that it was just a good lesson in, um, I suppose, 
working with like what is your style and I think that's where we didn't work is we had different styles so it was a good lesson in like it was a really ease into the plant industry because we did it together so I was teaching um and then had um I was teaching and then we kind of started this like really slow kind of side hustle where we just kind of put a few plants in offices and she was in interior design which was awesome and I kind of knew stuff about plants so it was a really good marrying of like her skills and my skills I had photography so I could make sure the Instagram was really great so we it was a good kind of start and then we kind of worked together for about a year and then we decided to go our different ways and it was kind of a really pivotal point because at that same time was when I decided to leave teaching and do casual relief teaching which is honestly let's not even go there like (laughs) my god can we go there (laughs) it was tough tough. it's very tough but I'm just saying that like I had a really cushy teaching experience I was sheltered I didn't really have to do any behavior management I more was doing behavior management with the parents that were a nightmare that's what I was dealing with um and that killed it a lot um the parent kind of school, just whole thing. And so then when I left teaching, this is the best part. I like was casual relief teacher, started plant mama. And then I was an Uber driver. Oh, so glamorous. Mate, if you wanted to get to the airport 20 minutes, like faster than you thought you were going to, I was the person that you wanted to drive you. I actually can imagine you. Where where were you when we needed you? Banging it down the freeway. Can you imagine the playlist, right, in the car? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. This was a car that you wanted to get in, you know? And so I have my, like, business – this was the best part. I had my plant mama business cards in the front of the car because what's the question that everyone asks an Uber driver? Like, how long has mm. your shift been? Like, what how time did you start? And then the second yeah. one yeah, yeah. is – and what's your other job, you know? And I'd be like, oh, I'm a teacher, a PE teacher. And they and this was when Uber first started. So they were like, who is this young, like, girl? Honest. And I would, this is like a hustle, like, I'm a hustler, man. I would literally Uber weeknights and weekend nights. And then I, all my friends would be out drinking and they'd be out partying. And I would literally be Ubering everyone around on the weekend <laughs> to, like, earn money to keep playing. Because... The thing is, is this is it's a battle when you have to start making that cha- exchange from financial security to risking money and then find something in between that's flexible. And so I'd be like casual relief teaching, then I'd go waitress at random weddings and then I'd like Uber drive. And like now I can get from Collingwood to South Yarra in like five minutes because I know all the back streets. Like that's what Uber gifted me is like I am... I can get out of Hunt Road. You're a map. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So what were you doing in the early days to try and build the business and the brand? Was it all about client kind or like finding customers, finding clients? So the funny thing is, this is a good story. The day that I I was like, okay, I'm not teaching anymore at this permanent job. I went to Bunnings and this was like, I was going, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be my own business. I'm going to do my own plant design. Like this is it. I remember going to Bunnings to get some stuff and I was outside in the plant section and these three people behind me go, oh man, we've got all these plants here. We don't know like what to put in our office or like where to go because if we get them, they're going to die. I'm actually not even kidding you. And like, how do we know like if this is an indoor and I literally turned around and I went, Hey, like, sorry to eavesdrop, but like, I just heard your conversation and I actually am like an indoor plant designer. I just said it. I was just like, I've got a business. And and I didn't know the name at that point. I just was like, oh, I've got this business. And he was like, 
great. And so I was just like, shit, okay. So then I went to the office and I think it was like, they gave me like $400, which in plant speak is like literally like two plants. But I think I spent my own money to like get them more and like, you know, just do the job. And I remember just, I had to send them an invoice. And at the invoice, you got to have your name at the top. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to call it? <laughs> you know, it has to roll off the tongue. And I had remembered that I had put a photo on my personal Instagram a few weeks before. And the comment that I had written attached to the photo was um, like plant mama adopting like plant babies. And I was in a nursery and I was like, plant mama. I was like, that sounds like it is. And I remember telling all my friends and they're like, that's a great name. And one person, mm-hmm. one person went, I think it's a horrible name. I think you should call it Green Home because my last name's like H-O-L-M-E. Could not be a more generic. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Also, no, doesn't no, reflect no, your no, personality no, no, no. at all. <laughs> Sorry to that person if you're listening, but like inside I was like, that Dying. is the most yeah. generic, <laughs> boring name ever. And you need to leave my house immediately, <laughs> you know? Um, but no, I stuck with Plant Mama and that was it. It was just, it just fit. And the funny thing is now people don't even know what my actual name is. They think it's just Plant Mama. <laughs> Or P Mama, which definitely rolls off the tongue too. That's cooler. And then I'm like, yeah. P Mama is like pasta and plant mama. Yeah, totally. We call paint mama. And then there's like puppy mama. And like, it's just, ah, it's just endless opportunity ah, to expand your brand. I know. <laughs> I know. All, all of it. All of it. So you managed to secure your first client from Bunnings. I love that story. And you probably chucked in a bit of money because you wanted to get some traction and show that you could do the job. What was the next step? Who was next on the client list? What did you do to find the bigger, bigger brands, bigger clients? So I, I definitely think, um, cause I'm now about to go into four years. So I definitely say there's a really clear, like four part to it. There's like first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fourth year, which is this year is definitely, I know we're going in the opposite direction, but fourth year, which is now is definitely riding on the back end of that three years. Like as in that's built the three years of psycho hard work, built the hustle. But the first year was, um, mainly like friends and I think like contacting the networks that I had and being like hey do you guys like let's be real you don't I mean I would love for people to earn money in in businesses uh, but like let's be real you just don't <laughs> so like you know yeah, no. you, <laughs> it's, just, it's not and I, if you are one of those people <laughs> well done you well if you are one of those people you probably have a parent that gave you the money to start it to be honest or you had an investment already because you like mm. everything that you make, you've got to put mm. back in to grow. And that's the reality of it. It's not that you're not making like, I mean, I can say this pretty freely, but in my first year, I invoiced 120 grand worth of plants, jobs. What did I earn from that? Literally like 20 grand. I'm not even kidding. Mm. Like that is, yeah. and people think because I was doing all these jobs, I'm like, I'm literally earning like $3 an hour. If you look at, but I think that like what people forget is that, that $3 an hour that you're paying yourself pays off years later when you've done all the work and you've got the folio and you've got those jobs that means you can now be like, oh, hey, by the way, my minimum spend is now eight grand or whatever it is, you know? So I feel like the first year was just like, holy God, fuck, like what have I done? But I really love this. So I'm going to keep doing it because it doesn't matter that I'm not getting paid. I've got CRT teaching. I've got Uber. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So the first year was just like, I suppose 
mainly contacting people I knew and being like, Hey, I won't charge you for the labor or like, I'll just charge you costs. Like you just have to do those things because no one's going to trust you until they can see that you know what you're doing. Like you can't, I totally respect saying you start something and you've got to value it and you've got to charge, or you, there has, you have to get something in return. But I also think you have to be realistic that you can't just say that you're a plant designer and then expect to go in without any jobs and be like, Hey, pay me two grand to do it. You have to, at the start, be like, I'm going to cop not making money because I need to build a brand and an identity and, like, I need to build clients who are happy that they like, – because I do you know how many mistakes I made? Like, mm-hmm. and I – that's why I didn't charge at the start really high because you make mistakes. You learn that that plants don't work in Melbourne inside and, unfortunately, you had to spend twice as much because you had to replace it because it was your yeah. fault that, you know? And I think, like, that's just the realistic story of owning a business is at the start you make so many mistakes and that's kind of why you have to be cheaper is because the, and the customers are then fine with it because they know that you're saying, hey, I'm doing this for really cheap because I'm still learning. And I think it's being transparent with that. Um, and then so first year was like psycho work. I mean, it's still kind of psycho work for two years, but I felt like in the second year there was a bit more like, oh, cool. Like we've seen her work now. Like this is kind of, you know, and I think I also started Plant Mama at the timing like I started at the beginning of the plant Mm. rise there's people coming in now and it's too late there's stuff that's why pasta clubs come through because I'm onto the next thing you know like I think that I there was only one other plant designer in Australia um and then I started so it was also just really good time because I was a photographer the content on my Instagram which is also a huge part was was like from day one was strong because I came from a photography background. I was shooting content that was like colorful and heavy on plants and plants were just cut because it was a lot of reposting and tagging. And I just kind of felt like the combination of my photography experience and then like being at the start of like a revolution, plant revolution, just kind of came in at the right time. And then Yeah, I felt like last year, I mean, we've been in COVID, so that's different. Last year, the third year was definitely the bigger names, like companies or like people came. That's more notoriety. And that's when I started to then increase the price and we had to get staff and it gets kind of bigger in that way. So I think, I definitely think I've I've shortcutted it because a lot of people say that you get to 10 years before you know, but I think it's only because I literally, I'm not even kidding, I've worked eight days a week. Like, <laughs> I've never heard that one. I love it. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you've said that. What did you sacrifice? What have you had to give up, especially in those first few years? Everything, literally everything. And I mean that. And I, I feel like when I had talked to other business owners and we have those conversations together, we say the same things. And it's like the people on the outside don't understand because no one actually just says it. You literally sacrifice everything. You sacrifice your social life. Like my social life was over. And like it also having a business had kind of made me realize who my real friends are because they understood that like if I didn't write back or if I was busy or if I missed, like I've missed birthdays, you know, and they get it, they understand. And I think I sacrifice social life. You sacrifice your health because you literally yeah. are working, you know, eat, like you're not eating correctly, you know, ex- like mm. you sacrifice your relation, your romantic relationships, you sacrifice dating, you sacrifice money, you sacrifice like literally everything. Um, but... Yeah. You do that because the thing that you get up every morning that makes those hours enjoyable is literally worth all of those things. Because the thought of being like 
in an office or back teaching is literally worse than any of those things. Yeah. So I was going to ask, what, I think you asked the same Probably. thing, the driver, what's the driver? Is it for you, the idea of working for yourself? Is it being creative? Is it building a big business? What is it that gets you up every day when you are sacrificing so much? I think that like, I definitely have never had this plan of having a big like business or a brand. And I think the irony in that is I've got it now because I never wanted it. And I wasn't, that wasn't my intention behind what I've been doing. Um, I think if your intention is right, what follows later is more powerful because you're not coming from a wrong place. But I just feel like the drive is that I really didn't fit in to the nine to five structure of work. And I really struggled with that. And I didn't realize that I struggled with it until I've had a taste of this life. And that's what keeps you going. It was really like every time my alarm went off um, and like with it, I sound like I'm really bagging out teachings. I loved the kids. It was the institution behind schools that I really just couldn't get around or struggled to get around. And I remember like waking up, my alarm would go off at seven and I would literally wake up and just be like, That's the only way I can explain it. I was just like, and it wasn't, I wasn't like an angry person. I just remember being like, oh, like, you know, I wasn't. And I'd come home from school and have a nap at 4 p.m. every day because I was tired. When now I literally get up at 6 a.m. because I choose to and I want to and I'm motivated. So I think once I left teaching and I got a taste of like, oh, my God, I can like, go and eat at this time like or I can go and do this or I can work for seven days and or I can work for like nine months and then take three months off in Europe and not go on school holidays every you know these exact holidays or I can have a dog or I can you know like the freedom in spontaneity is like and also being creative feeds me so much more than financial security and I think that like mm. the drive becomes so much more of myself in this role because I'm able to be completely who I am, which isn't someone that deals with like structure above me, you know? So from a business point of view, I mean, you know, you're very creative in terms of your your brand identity, your uh, your ideas. I mean, you've come up with a completely new kind of concept of plant mama, um, pasta mama underneath your brand. You know, your content is really creative and quirky. Is that something that kind of comes from within or is it something that you're inspired by externally? Is it a mix of the two? Like how do you come up with these really unique, authentic, creative ideas? It's like something I can't even explain. It just flows through you completely. And I think what I've learned as I've gotten older is letting it flow through without trying to construct it always gets the best end Mm. result. Is that like you... I'm like when I write these captions or even like when I do my Instagram stories, like people, I know a lot of people plan that shit out. All my Instagram stories are literally done real time as I just write as I'm going. It's very organic. Um, and it just, it's because I literally just like lean into it and like let it flow. And I don't try and put any constructions around it. And I think as I've gotten more into realizing that people are buying into my brand for me, it's given me Mm -hmm. more, confidence in being my unique self, you know, cause there's that like, you know, don't put heaps of emojis or don't use caps lock. That whole thing I've realized that that is like not important to me because people are coming to me or reading my stuff to see what I have to say in my own voice. And so I think it's good when people write on comments on Instagram or send you messages because you really don't get a lot of feedback when you're in a business on your own or you're in this like roller coaster. Like people really think that because I've got all these followers and I've got these great, 
brand partnerships and I know all these amazing people and it's that that I'm like all flooded all the time with like you know great things but it's actually quite a like feedback less existence you know you do a job they tell you it's great you move on you do the next one you kind of you have to get resilient to the fact that no one's going to be telling you all the time that you're great and I think there's an illusion that because if you've created a brand or you've got all this following that people are you know building you up all the time but it's actually like a quite a I mean you guys would understand it's quite a like spiritual like mental journey Mm. that is actually owning a business I personally believe is like 30 percent of what you actually have to do deal with from a bigger perspective you know oh could not agree more we were talking about this the other day it's very much a lesson in who you are owning your own business unfortunately so many businesses close and it's and I don't think it's for any other reason that like You have to have, and it's not grit, but you have to have like the ability to like mentally um, take on things, solve problems and like keep going. If you cripple under multiple pressures, then it will fail. And obviously there's times where businesses just have to close down and there's nothing else that you can do. But I think at the start, it's the reason why not a lot of people succeed is because there's kind of like, you know, my mum always has this amazing analogy and she says like the universe will basically like, drown you under the river and drag you along all the way until you're right about to drown. And then right before you get blacked out, it'll rip you out under your feet, shake you off and put you on the side of the ground and you'll just go off. I love that. I Like we talk about that mm. all the time. Like, you know, in the early stages, you're in this like the daily grind and you've mm. just got to push and push and keep going and keep going and keep going and you feel like you can't see the top of the mountain and then you're like, fuck, what am I doing? What have I done? And then it's that moment where the pendulum swings and you start to kind of gain momentum. Was there a moment like that for you where the pendulum just swung and you were like, yeah, like this is starting to really like take off? Um, I felt like, I think when the design files first, like, got in contact, so they've featured two of three of my things, and I think when you have a house that's really well styled, you just think, like, that's lazy, like, that's just my house, you know, like, I just, that's, like, it doesn't feel like something that's really special, so I think when they got on board, and what's so funny, and I always tell Lucy this story, is like I used to literally read the design files when I was in class in my just the blog, the only blog that I read when I was in Queensland. Mm-hmm. I would literally read her design blog and be like, oh my God, look at these people. Like they live in these houses and they like go to these cafes in Melbourne. And like I just remember being like, that's so wild that they work for themselves and like they have this business and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so when then they came the first time, I felt like, that kind of experience and having those photos taken and then being projected into that like world, which is what I was in, which is plants design kind of thing. I felt like that was a big kind of like, Oh, okay. Like maybe there's, you know, something going on here, but like, even like what this morning when we texted, I was like, huh, me, what do you want to talk to me about? Like, it's not, it is a continuous, you know, like we, everyone talks about, you know, imposter syndrome, but it's like, it really, you, you, I'm still like literally the like loudmouth chick from Toowoomba who's like, what? <laughs> you know, like what do I have to say? So I think um, it's more as more things like it's really ramping up now. I don't know why it just is. Um, and so it's th- these type of bigger stuff where I'm like, okay, like now I feel like it's kind of, and also like people know you on the street and like, you go out to parties and if you say what you're doing, oh, you're a plant mama and like that also is like a whole thing to like 
if I'm already an introvert, which it sounds wild, but I am, that is really hard to deal with because like, especially if people see your life, you also like forget what you've put up and like, what have you said? And have you offended someone? And like, there's also that whole side and like, you're an insecure person. No matter, I'm an insecure person, no matter how confident I am. And so I still think about like, oh my God, like, you know, did I say something on a whatever and they're meeting me and then I'm not what they think I am or, you know, like it, that's obviously still a thing that exists as well, you know. So then how do you separate yourself from that? How do you detach from what you're putting out there, your work, from what people may say to you if they're, if they're not happy with what you're saying? How do you kind of overcome that imposter syndrome? The crazy thing is, is that like for the first part of my like Instagram, I'd say in the last year, I have like slowly started to be more vulnerable and tell stories and like say little things about what I experienced in teaching or what I've experienced in business, bad things. And, you know, those times, because I mean, I've watched Brene Brown. I've listened to this stuff. I know vulnerability and being open is the key to connection. And so mm-hmm. what I've kind of learned is to actually not separate the two because and just be the whole one all together and dictate where you spend that energy. So instead of going to all those house parties and being frustrated that I'm having these small minor conversations that I don't want to have, I go to one party a month and with the right people that I want to hang out with in conversations I want to be in because I'm aware of it more. And I think that it was really hard when I was a teacher and the hardest thing I dealt with was being when I first started, I was in an all girls school. And so you're at an all girls school, you're a young girl, the kids want to be friends with you. You're like 22. So you're going out and drinking like you should be at a 22 year old. So you've got to like pretend if you're in an all girls private teacher that you don't do that. You've got to, you know, like, and I remember them literally saying to me, like, you're not what we like, you're not expected. giving the example of who we are as teachers here, mm. you know? And I, mm. and that was, that has scarred me because it's made mm. me really like, I had to pretend to be a perfectionist at this school with all these people. But then deep down, I just was like a really like funny, like loud, like crazy, wild person. And so for so much of my life, I tried to be these two different people. But I think with Plant Mama, it's success has been in me being myself. So I think it's yeah. more, I am myself, but I'm now aware of like, when I'm in flow, when I'm tired, don't hang out with people. If you've worked all day, only hang out with people. If like, it's I'm, as I get to know myself more, I understand what drains me and like where I'm going to invest that time and energy, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, when you figure that out and you figure out what makes the best version of you and you can do that in your work, that's the, the winning combination, I think. And I've been, I've had moments where, which really, like kills me because I am naturally an incredibly friendly person, but Mm. I've had moments where I have met people and I have been rude because I'm tired. I don't want to talk because the other thing that's really hard is that if you've done plant mama all day and you're dealing with clients who aren't paying you or whatever, and you go to something and people go, Oh my God, plant mama, tell me about it. You are actually hating plant mama that day. So when someone wants Mm. to talk about it and you don't want to talk about it, you like get angry at them for asking in your head because you don't want to talk about it, but you understand like it's a fascinating job. So I felt like there were a lot of times where I was really disappointed in how I came off to people because it wasn't the right time to be interacting. And you have to remember that like people talk and whilst you do have your bad days, it doesn't mean that that person's not going to be like, Oh my God, she was so rude. And I, that's, I try so hard to be really friendly to people and kind and like do stuff that the thought of someone thinking that I was rude is like really, you know, hard for me to, take on, I suppose. I think that's something that a lot of people will be able to relate to. You know, it's the emotional roller coaster of owning a business, but then also not being able to detach yourself 
and your own emotions, you know, from that. Like that's, it's really difficult to detach yourself fully emotionally from the ups and downs of, of being in business. And because so, it's not people like go to work, right? Like all of us, the three of us, it's like a never, it doesn't end. Like it's it not like end. we leave the house with our laptop on our b- mm-hmm. desk and we get in the car and listen to a podcast and we go home, we don't think about work. It's like we're talking to our friends at a dinner table while also thinking about that we forgot to respond to that email <laughs> or that we need to get that podcast guest on. Or, you know, like it's it's a, it, it, when you have a business yourself, it invests and intertwines itself into every corner of your goddamn life. And so, <laughs> lol, <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's it's fully integrated. Yeah, I remember having a really interesting conversation with Christy from Plan about this, and it's like you cannot. It'll always be t- just one and the same, and you've got to figure out the way to manage that. Totally. And you've got to. I think you've also got to manage. Like I know I sound like I'm literally on a podcast bagging out having a business, but I just think that like <laughs> on a business podcast, great. Yeah. <laughs> if you, I just think a lot of people need to just, just be more open about like yeah. how hard it is because I've noticed that when other people in business are like, "Yes, sister, preach," I hear you. It makes us feel less alone, and everyone just wants to not mm. feel alone. talk about working with uh, other people, other creatives, clients. What is the process like of um, setting up, well, setting that boundary or setting those expectations, working to a brief? Can you give us some advice on how to find the right people to work with? Um, I think that uh, creatives essentially kind of have like two areas that they kind of work in. And one is like, to the constructs of what the client needs and very clear, like we need you to do this with these colors um, on this timeline with this is what we need. Um, or And they might do a lighthearted version of that where they'll have an idea and they'll want you to contribute. Um, and then there's the other side, which is like, I trust you, you're the professional, do what you need to do, that's why you're here kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so obviously majority of my career has been on the side of like what clients need, fit to that debt, like, you know, those colors, don't really get to be too creative sort of thing. Um, And I felt like my career was mainly that, but then over the years I've had those ones where people have gone, we trust you. And the irony is the trusting ones are always the best installs I've ever done. They're always the ones people comment on the most and they've always looked the best over the years following. So I think that's a really good clear indication that trusting someone in their area of um, expertise is always going to get more. Um, I think that as I grow my brand, we, I am dropping those business, those, that business away. And I think for a while you have this thing where you want to get all of the work. Like I wanted all the jobs. Like I just, cause I, you know, you just don't know. One day you think there's going to be no more work. That's how you think. So you take on everything because you're like one day, no one's going to need plants anymore. So when Barry, Susan and Sarah on Saturday all tell you that they need plants on Tuesday, you just do it. You work on Sunday and you do it because you think, well, maybe I'm not going to make money next week. So I would just go off and do it. And then as I got more jobs where I was got to be free, it just kind of slowly transitioned where that's what I started to get known for is like these really like authentic, bit crazy, like a lot of plants, colorful kind of things. And so I learned really quickly that I actually don't want to take on all of the jobs. 
And then I just get to go out and build my jungle organically. I get to buy the pots from all these different places. I get to buy like bigger plants from other places because I haven't given you this structure of saying you're getting five medium devil's ivy in 250 pots. You're getting Mm. like that just killed my soul. And so when I had these other ones, like it was just way, it was was what I was better at because I was get to just build it, you know? rather than having to sit to like a structure. So how do you encourage clients to trust you? Do you encourage clients to kind of trust you? Um, And if not, how do you vet the jobs like that come through? Mm. So um, I feel like obviously for the first few years, I understood that no one was going to trust me, but now I can walk in and ask them to trust me. But to be honest, you normally get an idea when they contact you because they're either, there's two types of people. They're either contacting you and they've never seen your Instagram or your website. Someone's just told you about them. So they think they don't know what you do and they want you to convince, (laughs) you know, what's funny right before COVID, I went to this job. It was this horrible, huge warehouse out near the airport. It was, (laughs) I remember getting there. It was this is the this is the example of this type of person. So there's okay. The first yep. one is the people who come to you who know who you are. They followed you. They've been on your website. They trust you. They're coming to you because they want plant mama. That's the person you want. This is the second person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enter person two. Person two. He's obviously like sixty years old. Six between sixty and seventy. His mate has said like, "There's this person that um does plants. Um, call her. Or he's her number." So, and I have this thing now where I don't go out to appointments unless you pay for a consult because time is money, my friend. And I've done so many consults where people can make you think that they're going to hire you and you tell them all your ideas and they never hire you. So there's a rule now where like, I have to gauge straight away if this is going forward or I'm not, this is a waste. Like, and I was driving out to the Tullamarine airport and the irony in this lesson is I didn't charge him. I did it, yeah. and that's how this is the irony in the lesson. For some reason, I just didn't try. He called me on the phone and said, oh, hey, we need some plants. Can you come out here? And it was on a really busy day, and I had a coffee with someone beforehand, and she'd said something about the job that I was going to, and I was like, yeah, I didn't charge him beforehand, and it's going to take me, like, at least, like, the whole thing's going to be two hours. Like, I should have charged him for that. And she was like, yeah. Anyway, I drive out there, and I walk into this huge, like, where, like it's literally like a warehouse for, like, pipes or something. I don't know what it is. And he takes me into this room and he sits me down and he like literally like leans back and like leans back in his chair and he goes, so tell me why I should hire you to do the plan. Oh my God. (laughs) And I literally, and I didn't feel like being like, not, you know, I didn't feel like saying like, do you know who I am? Not like that. But I felt like being like, why am I sitting here trying to convince you Mm. to hire me and, I, and not in a way that I'm like this amazing person, but I just was like, these are not the jobs that I want. I don't want to be in a meeting where I have to be like, you should hire me because I can, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and as he goes, okay, well, let's walk around the, the, the warehouse, double warehouse. And as we're walking through it, he's like, oh, I want some plants there. And I was like, do you want me to quote every room? Like, because he was like, I want two plants in here. And I'm like, do you, and when you, for anyone listening at home, like, when you do a quote, you like you spend time on that. 
So, and it might mean that they don't hire you, especially if you, if I've charged him for a consult, I'd be fine spending time quoting because I've charged him for something. You know what I mean? Totally. And this one time that I hadn't charged this guy, I've gone out, I'm literally driven all the way out there. I've been there for like nearly 40 minutes. He's walking me through. And I said, he would go through, I'm not even lying. There'd be as 40 rooms at least. And he's... And he goes, I said, do you want, I was like, okay, I'll just send you a quote of like an overall what it would be. And inside I was like, I don't want to do this job. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I want a quote on each room. And I was just like, you want me to do a quote on each room? And he's like, yeah, that's what I need. I need you to do a quote on each room. And then tell me like why you think that we should like basically kind of hire you in the same like email. Mm. And I remember just like literally getting in the car and being like, see you, dickhead. I'm never responding to any email ever again from you. Like, fuck off. Like, I just had this really pattern. I literally played. I'm, yeah. Fuck off, you dickhead. Literally. I was like, I played I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan on the highway home. I was just like, I'm never. And you know what? They called me. They emailed me. Can you get the proposal? And I was like, honestly, you can go suck my dick. I am not coming back to convince you to hire me. And honestly, that, that whole day was like a absolute bang in the face because I, ju- I just had this huge mm. wake-up call where I was like, I am not doing any of that anymore. And then, to be honest, COVID hit and then I spent more time thinking about it and then now that's where I'm at where it's like, like, does this match what I want to do? Or, like, does it – is this aligning with right now the energy that I have? Right now I don't have any energy because I'm building pasta clubs, so there's no way I'm taking on anything that we already – like, we already have jobs up to Christmas. So mm-hmm. it also – answers straight away if they can afford not afford me but afford the service I spend a lot of time back and forward you know quoting and pricing and now that there's a form I can instantly say okay well we can't do that or that looks great or maybe someone else can do that or sometimes I'll even just send them to a nursery I'll say like that like I understand people don't know the cost of plants but people will say oh I've got like a thousand dollars and I'm like Honestly, and I'm not even just lying, like the $1,000 will get you like a few plants. Like it's, you know. Yeah. So it's really hard, but and I understand they don't know, but people will be like, oh, I've got $1,000 and I have to say, look, I'm really sorry. Like we have a minimum spend now for a reason because if you don't set a boundary of what I need to make in order to do this job, um, you, yeah, you just spend so much time and you make no money. And to be honest, like only very recently, did like a mentor of mine, like make me sit down and literally down to the dollar, write down what I had quoted them and what I had actually paid. Cause plant prices obviously change and things change. So you, you kind of work within a spectrum, right? So because I, I hit the ground running side of plant mama and didn't actually really put any good processes into place. Cause as we said before, I don't have a left side of my brain. I lost a lot of money because I wasn't, on that side of like, you know, chart, like the dollar, the cent. And only even last year I had sat down and worked out what I charged versus what they paid. And I literally was earning $200 a job. And this was only last year. So how do you price now? Mm. Do you, you obviously have the cost of the plants, but then you also have your time and, you know, if you have contractors involved, what are some of the strategies or tips that you can give, you know, creative freelancers um, that might help in terms of like pricing? Yes. And I think pricing is definitely the a conversation I have the most with on people on my Instagram. They're like, I just started to be sort of how to price. Because the thing is, pricing is the most difficult conversation in creative field because what people have to understand is that 
creative thought and ideas, the reason that you're paying this person to do it is because you didn't have them. And that's what we have to remember is people go, oh, I could have done that. Oh, I could have hung some plants from the ceiling. Oh, could you have? I don't think you could have done like I'll give you prime. My really good friend, Bobby Clark, she has this beautiful paintings that she does. And they're like these shapes. They're shapes on a paint. They're beautiful. The colors that she has, it's her style. She's known for it. Do you know how many people have ripped her off and just have drawn a circle or whatever? And that's fine. But like what I'm saying is, is it like, Nothing will ever look like hers. And that was her idea that she started. And yeah, they might be thousands of dollars for the originals, but they're totally worth it. Because you know what? Who else had done those paintings before? Do you Mm. know? So I think that pricing is, I understand why it's really hard to work out what it is because you think like, what is the price on creative thought? I think the, the way that we charge or that we kind of have charges always been on the basis of kind of like an interior designer would. So you would charge as like the concept So you charge what the idea is, what the plants are, and people can either buy the concept and do the install themselves. Maybe they're like, I don't actually want to pay you to do the labor. I actually don't even want to pay you to go get the plants. I just want your advice. I want your brain to tell me what to do. So, um, so you would, that's, you know, the invoice would essentially look like, you know, you've got your concept, your idea, obviously at the start, they were really cheap for me. Obviously now they're more expensive because, the ideas that I'm giving are more unique now. Like people know that that's a jungle done by me, you know, and while other people go and copy it, they still know that my style is like this specific type. So then there's that. Then obviously you charge for your plants. And I would say this is in advice to anyone that is, I suppose, using materials or products or whatever plants and pots. It is realistic. They're not like the client doesn't get charged cost. Clients expect to get charged cost, they think that they should get. So I'll give you an example. If a plant costs me $30, it is, I should be selling it to for $50 or whatever the amount is like a retail shop does, you know, because you're not coming. You've got to remember, like you have to take into account when you're charging, you're driving out to pick those plants up. You're, you know, you're hand selecting them. You're not getting the nursery to pick the ones for you and deliver it to your, I still, I literally still drive out to the nursery now and pick them myself. That's why all the jobs are great because I've chosen those plants. So I think a lot of people are scared to hand an invoice over and think that the clients should be charged the cost, but they shouldn't. They're coming to a personalized service. If they want, they're like, they shouldn't not be paying retail. They should be paying the retail cost of what it is. But and then what they're paying is the fact that you're doing it for them, which is the labor. So do you still invoice everything at the moment? Are you quoting or do you have an assistant that's helping you put this together? Because it sounds like a lot of work. It is. And for someone who like literally hates being on the computer. So for a while I didn't have anyone doing it because that whole concept is such a really like, and everyone keeps, everyone says to you around you, like just hire someone. And you're like, are you insane? Like, if I, if I'm paying their rent, how am I paying mine? You know? And so that's why I was working, like, as I said, eight days a week. But then as I've gotten busier and I've been able to hire like an all rounder, I haven't been spending all of this time on the computer doing quotes and concepts and invoices Mm. and the stuff that was killing my creativity. I've been able to ingest all of this, like energy and creative ideas into forming like products, you know, because I'm not drowning in 
quoting and invoices. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we've been having this conversation within us, like between ourselves, but also with the women in our um, our mentor group, the Brains Trust, around like outsourcing. And, you know, there's that kind of stress of being like, far out, I can't pay, you know, I can't afford to pay somebody to outsource all the admin or all the shit that I don't want to do. And so there's a fear attached to that. But you're right, once you do, it just opens up your time and your creative headspace to go and make the money to be able to pay them. Do you know what I mean? Things. Yeah, I love Do what you more said. Killing, it kills my creativity. Yeah. You don't want to kill your creativity. Yeah. I'd love to hear a bit more about the products and like especially Pasta Club because, you know, you've said that you're working a lot on that at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How did the idea come about? It's a bit of a deviation from Plant Mama. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Pasta Club started... Actually, like a year ago, um, and it started, it's similar, like we just had that conversation about like black, white, grey pot jobs, right? Pasta Club started and my friend had come to this um, conclusion, which makes sense. Pasta Club started because I wanted to be able to control something creative and colourful and amazing in my own terms. Anyway, honestly, back in uni in like 2011, I had literally written a uni assignment where I had a restaurant that was private dining. That's why it's crazy that this is all happening now because I had written that years ago. But Pasta Club was basically like, okay, I was like, well, I like pasta, blah, 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 I have friends over. And I just kind of was like, wouldn't it be cool to like, because I have a commercial space and I have this amazing space downstairs covered in plants. I was like, we could like totally host like a pasta club, like at my space, like that could work. And then the first thing I did was I literally, the first thing I say to everything with you have a business, I just started the Instagram. I just passed them out, I made the Instagram. I had hundreds of photos from traveling and I did the opposite with my Instagram with Plant Mom. Plant Mom is public, Plant Mom is curated. I think about it with, sorry, Plant Mama is all those things. Pasta Mama's Instagram, I put it on private. I uploaded bulk photos at once with like messy, like, you know, blurry photos from Italy. I did everything opposite to like what the Instagram rules are. <laughs> Cause I thought if I just get stuff out there, it'll, mm. that in itself will help the idea build. So I just was posting photos and then I started like making pasta at home and making recipes. Like I spent about four months, like just like making stuff and having people over and like perfecting, like how I made the pasta and the sauces and stuff. And then like, I just, like, cause I have heaps of followers. So I just randomly was like, okay, hey, we're gonna do a pasta club, like buy tickets online and it just sold out. And what had happened was my friend who was an amazing chef, like we went to Italy together. She was in Melbourne for this period of time. And I was like, okay, we're gonna do a pasta club. You're here, I'm here, let's just fucking do it. Like, and like everything I do, I like bite off way too much. And then I like <laughs> just fucking figure it out by the grace of God. I don't know how I yeah. do it, but I just, yeah, yeah, I yeah. say yes to everything. And then I just figure it out later. So she was like, okay, I'm coming in Melbourne. So I just like started this campaign that I was like, pasta club, you know, and people were like, okay. And so we sold out. That's right. The first one we did was clients that had become friends. So they were kind of, they would give me feedback, but you know, that it wouldn't be my friends and like blow smoke up my ass. They would, you know, tell me the truth. And then I had a few friends. So we did one pasta club where it was like, okay, we can work out. Like we cooked in the kitchen and it was kind of like basically this three to four hour eating experience and wine and food and all this kind of stuff comes out. They went wild for it. So I was like, okay, this works. And then the next week we did two more. And then we did like maybe like six or seven towards the end of last year. And then we started doing some private ones. The ones that we were doing was where you would buy a ticket. So you and a friend could come. 
The one that we're relaunching now, which is in a permanent space, is actually you bring your whole group and you come and that's it. It's not, you know, it's the, you, the whole thing. So basically Pastor Club happened and then we had these big plans. We had Sydney and Byron to do at the start of the year. Or like the, This was meant to be like literally the year of Pastor Club. Like we yeah. had people booked and everything and then COVID hit. And so I just was like, fuck, Pastor Club. This meant to be the year of Pastor Club. Like, fuck. And then I just like had this idea. I was like, okay, well, I mean, people are at home and like, they kind of can still have pasta club if I like make the box for them and like get really good ingredients and like write the recipes and they can still listen to the pasta club playlist that I wrote for pasta club. Like I'm sure we can make it work. So then, um, we went live. Um, it's actually a very funny story. This I'll tell you this story. It's a good one. So one of, I gave five boxes away, right? Four of the boxes were people that were like, They weren't like in the social media landscape or whatever. And that was purposeful because I wasn't giving these boxes for people to post. I was giving them to get their feedback. I want that. You know what I mean? And I'd said to them, please don't post about it. I just want you to tell me if like what the experience was anyway. So I had done plants for, um, Zoe and Hamish Blake. And so I was like, okay, she, I had given her a pasta club the year before to do, which she hadn't taken up. And I thought, oh, cool. I'll give her a pasta club at home pack. And, um, you know, she'll tell me if it's shit or not. So I took it over and I was like, just tell me if it's shit or not. Like, and I really meant it. I said, please don't feel like you need to post about this. Like I'm, I'm not doing it for that. I just want your feedback. And she was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Whatever. Anyway. So then she, they did pass the club at home and she messaged me like after it being like, that was the most amazing thing ever. And so then the next day, so me, who's like flippant with everything I do and like I'm so last minute, in my head I was like, oh, I'm going to put Pasta Club on my website like next week, like, you know, like when I sit down and have time sort of thing. And so it was like 3 p.m. on a Saturday and I was sitting out the back having like just tanning, like drinking a margarita. And she messaged me and she was like, hey, like I'm going to post tonight. Like, are you ready? And I was like, what do you mean? Am I ready? And she was just like, like, am I ready for what? Like, no, you know, like is pasta club on the website? Like she was basically kind of being like, just letting you know, I'm going to post tonight. Like, you know, heads up. And I kind of was like, what do you mean? Like, is it on the website? Like, no, it's not on the website. Like, holy fuck. And she, I'm like, what time are you posting? And she's like, I'm going to post at seven. She's like, I think it's important for me to post tonight. Cause we had it last night. Like she, she, you know, she was like, I think instead of yeah. waiting, I, I cannot tell you how fast I jumped up. I had like three hours and I just like, <laughs> I like leapt out of the chair and like made a coffee and I was just like, fuck. And I ran up to my, I honestly, I've never worked so hard in my life. And I, I didn't even know like what I was going to write the pro I didn't like, I, I literally had to create the entire business plan in like three hours on the website. And so I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like leaving her these voice messages being like, can you check it now? And I think it's shit. Like, yeah, you know, so, and she was awesome. Like she came back and, you know, said it was great. And it paid off obviously because, um, and I was super grateful that she had posted and that, was awesome because there were so many people that contributed to the pasta packs that were getting no work, like the floor, like, you know, the florist and the catering. Mm. We were able to literally pay 15 people, um, with pasta club at home. Um, but like, it was just, you know what I mean? Like I had, I think because I had marinated on it in my head for so long, the reason Mm. in three hours I was able to literally just launch it was because 
you are thinking about it in the back of your head. And whilst I only had three hours to produce it, it was able to, you know, just come to fruition. And so now that lockdown's finished, um, we've just basically found a place to make a permanent pasta club. Do you see like your future for yourself and the business being kind of a, a bit of a slushy, like lots of different creative projects going on, both of these brands building and growing? Do you think that this might overtake Plant Mama as a you know, a revenue stream, like, well, where do you think this is going to go? Um, yeah, I think like what I've realized, especially over COVID or even just this year is that like, I actually am just a creator. I like to create. And I think that like the plant side of the things was the introduction into realizing that and harnessing that creative power. But I like to create things. Like I liked, like the spag hat was fun because people liked it. And like the tea towel has been fun. And like the print has been fun and all those things that I'm making has been fun. So I think that what I've realized is that just being a creative person and taking on projects that are engaging and challenge me and that I want to do is like, that's what the focus should be. And a lot of people have been like, oh my God, is Plant Mama going? Like they obviously are seeing more pasta club stuff. And I think it's just more that like, I could feel myself kind of like with what I, when I had a photography job, like I ended up selling all the cameras and get rid of it, getting rid of it because what I loved was turning into something that I resented. And I think with Plant Mama, I'm not resenting it, but I could I could feel that I was getting on that back end of like, this isn't as fun as it used to be anymore. And yeah. like, it's not as... And so Plant Mama will always be there and I will always do plant jobs that engage me. But I think that for, for me to realise that like, it's important for me to keep moving and like to have the momentum, to have different ideas. And like, obviously it's good to focus on one thing and make that kind of what you have, but like past clubs been fun. And so I feel like naturally I get to lean into that. And the other thing too, is that I've lived an incredibly isolated journey. Like you have, yes, you have followers, but like you have a client, you meet them once, you install, you leave. So when I started doing pastor club and I had people coming that had followed me for years, it was so nice at the end to like talk to them and like connect with people because for so long you're literally on your own. And so I'm like, I have a personality that enjoys to connect and like Mm -hmm. that's what I should be doing because I like talking to people. Like I might get exhausted, but I enjoy those interactions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. So we're going to dive into some wrap-up questions. Great. When was the last time, although I feel like yeah. I feel like this is probably this morning, when was the last time you pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone or you acted fearlessly? Actually, yesterday I had to send an email, um, which was really difficult. Um, I had to... Um, I'm reading Brene Brown's book, which is like about leadership, like dare to lead and having difficult conversations. Um, I had to have an email conversation. We'll send an email and basically say like, this is what I'm worth Mm. in a job. And it's not what, you know, this amount is that we are talking about. It's actually worth this much. And the reason that I'm worth this much is because of all these things. And that was really hard because to say to someone, this figure amount equals who I am is really difficult, you know? So that, um, that was hard. But after I sent it, I was like, it's the right thing to do. It was the right, um, conversation to have. How did you feel afterwards? Um, scared, (laughs) but also empowered because I was like, now that I've said it once, now I can say it again from here on out, you know, it's just the initial time to say it, you know? Yeah. 
first time we always say that, always, we're like, the first time we do something is always the fucking hardest. And once you kind of say that, it sort of shifts your mindset a little bit. It's like, you know, with any new product that we launch or any new campaign or yeah. any new tool we're trying yeah. to fucking figure out. Fucking first time, Brené Brown. Yeah, fucking yeah, first yeah, time. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love her so much. Oh yeah, my so God, we're like huge fangirls. Every yeah, time yeah. I hear her on a podcast, I'm like, can we be friends? Like they, <laughs> the podcast that she was on, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, the two of you, like if I could be in a room like you would just be like you'd learn so much oh we'd love to interview yeah, her so one day put that out into the universe yeah. yes definitely so what's one question that you're asking yourself right now do i do i want to prioritize socializing more from the essence of um over covid realize that like social life sacrificed and that's okay because i was i'm fine to do that for my business but i also have missed a lot and I'm in my, I'm just turned 30 this, the start of this year. So I'm nearly 31. I know I'm going to be 40 one day with kids and I'm not saying that I'm going to look back and be like, you should have gone out more, but because I've missed a lot of things over three years, I think it's really important for me to not go back into that grind of, it's like consciously being aware that I want to spend more time connecting with my friends and my group. Cause it's really hard to get sucked back into that hustle because you can obviously hear that that's what I'm like so I think Mm. it's about being conscious about you know totally all right what's one thing that you need right now oh I would love some disco fries from massive wieners have you guys (laughs) oh yum I've got a cheesy might scroll sitting here. Is that what it was? I was like wondering yeah, what was in the bag. Yeah, I literally bought it. That I was like, is the most I'm going to be hungry after this chat. <laughs> so bogan. That is such a bogan, bogan meal ever. I love that. Cheesy might scroll. I actually think I would just love to see my parents. Like I literally yeah. haven't seen them since January. So I feel like, you know, I would love to see my parents right now. That's fair. And our last question, we always give our guests the opportunity to do a bit of a shout out to a woman that's helped them on their way, someone who's helped you in your journey. Oh, man, so many. I actually would, and I'm not saying it for the name, but I actually would say Zoe. She's been very, and I've been so appreciative and I've made that very clear to her. Mm. She's been so amazing at... um, and this, I think it's the side that people don't really know. Like she has been so encouraging on the back end, behind the scenes with me. Um, like even she went to purchase something from the store and obviously the user experience wasn't great. So she rang me and sat on the phone to tell me what I should change while she buys it and, you know, what would work if I did this. And I feel like, you know, I'm sure she's an incredibly busy woman. So I think to take the time out to help me. And I, But I also think it's good because women in these industries have this really reciprocal thing. Like people come to me and ask for help and I, you have to help because people help you. And it's this thing where like, I feel like it's this constant cycle of everyone's happy to give back, you know? And she made a really amazing comment, which I really respected that like, it shouldn't be this thing where it's like mentor mentee. It's two equal people. That are, you know, mm. like, and I think that can get be really hard in business if people, where women are older and they are helping you that you feel mm. like not below them, but you know, and I thought that was such a really like great way to think about it because it's not, everyone just knows different things at earlier times or whatever. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't mean that someone's more powerful than the other. So I think that um, there's that kind of side that 
behind the scenes it has been so supportive um in a way that I haven't asked for it which is nice oh we could keep talking for hours I honestly I know oh. You're a, you're a legend. We loved yeah, chatting you to you. Yeah, you are. We love you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to be on Love Podcasts. Hey, Mama, you are a bloody legend. This conversation gave us absolute life. We're now asking, how can you make the space to be more creative in your business? It can be really, really easy to get stuck in the daily grind at the expense of dreaming up all the crazy ideas that will actually grow your brand. When was the last time that you were creative? Truly creative. Don't forget, you don't have to be an artist to qualify as creative. Every single person, including you, is creative in their own way. Secondly, we really loved how Jenna has built her business by surrounding herself with people that she trusts and that trust her. Find customers and clients that trust you, the expert, to do your job well. Find customers and clients that trust you, the expert, to do your job well, and in turn, fulfill that cycle by giving trust to those that you choose to work with. And lastly, a super practical takeout. We love a practical takeout. When you're thinking of launching a new product or idea, decide how much cash you're willing to invest and lose if the idea tanks. It could be a couple of hundred bucks, it could be a grand, it could be a lot more. But placing a dollar value on how much you're willing and comfortable to spend could just free you up a little bit to give the idea a full-blown crack. That's it from us. Find us over on Instagram at lady.brains or, as always, come and chat in our Facebook group, The Lady Brains Clubhouse. Ladyland is a Podcast One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolic. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.